0: That it works only if we have an abiding, plugged-in relationship with God. Because what takes place is God doing something through us instead of us having to do it in our own strength. And God lays out things every week in your life and people every week in your life that are beyond your strength, right? You can't do it in your own strength. It doesn't come natural. But God wants to do something supernatural. And so once again, he picks one of his three topics, John does, and he goes back to it again, and he wants to camp on it again because it's so important. This is the third time he's talked about this same thing. And and if you're casually reading the book of John, you almost want to just buzz through it and say, yeah, 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 you already covered that topic. But he's talking about one of the most important topics that we need for today. And it's the topic of loving. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. We're in verses 7 through 12. And he's going to be talking about this idea that we need a God-abiding love inside of us. And there's a reason why. There's like a secret sauce that he's talking about here that sometimes is hard for us to understand. But see, he lived in a world where people were giving themselves permission to not love. Do we live in that same kind of world? You know? We live in a world where all of a sudden if certain people do certain things, wear certain things, talk about certain things, take a side in a certain way, we almost give ourselves permission to not love them. And the thing that's scaring me as your pastor is I believe that this is oozed into the church. And there are certain times that we feel like because of the heinousness of sin, and some of us even where we've come from, we find it really easy to not love someone when we find out that they have sin in their life. Or they don't fit into our camp. They're one of those. Remember we talked about them and us? And so John comes back to this again because there's these false teachers that are almost giving people permission to not love some people. And they're saying, because they don't get what we get, we couldn't stay with you anymore. We just couldn't handle it anymore, so we left you because we're different than you and there's no way we can love you because you're different. Every one of us has had that opportunity or that challenge in our lives. And that's what he's talking about today. So read with me. There's going to be three sections to this. I'm going to lay them out first just because I feel like it's really kind of important because it took me a while to even kind of fish them out. And the first one is in verses 7 through 11, he's going to talk about the directive to love. And then in verses 12 through 16, he's going to talk about the source of love And then the last thing he's going to talk about is what does love look like when it's perfected? Okay, what does it look like when it's complete? So let's talk with a directive to love. He starts in chapter 4, verse 7, and he said, Beloved, let us love one another. When I was a kid, we used to learn a song Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and anyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he says this, and it's interesting how he says it. Hey, those of you who I love, beloved, let's love. He's he's coming from a position of strength. He's saying, "I love you, so let's love each other." And he talks about this directive that this is important that we love one another. We live in a cancel culture today, people. Poor Dr. Seuss, (laughs) you know. We, you know, poor Kate Smith. We live in this cancer culture where all of a sudden they find out a little bit of dirt about us somehow. And all of a sudden they feel like they can completely turn us off. I've, I've been watching just some, I, I love architecture and things, and I came across these whole series of video, videos on Monticello, Jefferson's home. But at the beginning of every one now, they have to talk about the things they don't like about him even the people there but we've been called beloved church family my dear friends we need to love each other why because love is from god and whoever has uh, loves has been born of god and knows god why do we need to love because we're born of God. Remember, that was one of the ideas that he talked about earlier in First John. He talked about this idea that we were actually born to love. And so he's calling us, why do we love? Because God loved us. Because love comes from God. And that's going to be a sign. You know, it, it, it breaks my heart to think that today in Christianity, oftentimes we're known as haters. Instead of lovers, we're known for all the things we're against instead of the people that we love and the people that we're for. And it's interesting that over and over again, in article after article, as soon as people get to know Christians and experience the love of God, all of a sudden these other things that are the baggage that we drag along with us because of our Christianity, they dissipate. Well, you're not at all like what I thought you'd be. Really? Christians can do that? Wow. Why do you care about who I am? Because I've been born of God, and I love like God. He says this. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love now we have to just take a caveat for a minute because there is also the god is love crowd that say because god is love you can do whatever you want you know have you met loving parents like that that are incredibly permissive do we love their children struggle don't we you know I love what one man said, and some of you have gone through this course. He says, The key to raising children isn't loving your children, it's having other people love your children. But anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And that's why some of you guys feel the tension in your spirit because. Every one of us has poster children of people that are hard to love. We talked about them before, the EGRs, you know, extra grace required people in our lives that are challenges to us. And God places them in our lives. God places them in every body. God places them in every week. Do you know why? Because He doesn't want us to love in ourselves. He wants us to plug into His love and love like Him and through Him. If if we're in a growing relationship with the Lord, we should have an honest dialogue with him on a regular time that says, you know, this week I have to get together with so-and-so. You know, that's a hard one for me, God. You're going to have to help me love that person. Because in and of myself, this is a hard one. But you can give me the ability to truly love. He goes on and he says, he gives an example. He says, in this... The love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. See, God demonstrated his love, or God showed his love, manifested his love by what he did for us. But he did it because, in being a loving God, he was also a holy and a just God, right? And so he wasn't permissive, was he? He didn't just let us get away with anything. He realized that we needed a punishment for those things. And that's why Jesus Christ came to die. He goes on in the next verse and said this, in that this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is basically the reality of this, is that God couldn't overlook the sin and say it wasn't that big a deal. You know, um, when we were raising children, I don't know what happened to Nancy during her third pregnancy, but somehow during her third pregnancy, she lost her sense of smell. It had nothing to do with COVID, but she lost her sense of smell. and And since that day, the part of her ability to smell is just off a little bit. And occasionally, I would come home at the end of the day, and Nancy'd be in the room, and the baby'd be in the room, and I'd be going, There's an issue here. (laughs) My nose told me immediately that there was an issue here. And God couldn't just overlook sin. God had to make sure the punishment for sin was appeased for. And that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He took the punishment for our sin. Did any of you have brothers and sisters that occasionally you knew that you were in trouble, but they got the punishment? There was great joy in that moment, wasn't there? But there is much greater joy in the moment that Jesus Christ died for us and he took the punishment for our sin. So why do we love? Because God gave us an example by the gift of his son. And his son gave us an example by what he did for us the reason we love is because god loved us you see it's it's a flow issue okay that's all it is guys it's a flow issue god loves us we love people god loves us we love people god loves us we love people but every one of you has experienced the reversal of this flow. And before you meet Jesus Christ, we live in that reversal of the flow, which is, I need love, I need love, I need love, I need love. So people aren't people I'm supposed to love. People are people that are supposed to love me. It's your job to love me. I need your love. And some of you have experienced those kinds of people. And when you're near those people, it sounds a little bit like a vacuum cleaner. Because they just suck the love right out of you. Because that's what happens. That's the reversal of love that exists in each one of us until we meet Jesus. We override our need for our opportunity to give. But why do we love? Because God reversed that flow and he says, I love you when you're unlovely. I love you when you're unlovely. I love you when you're unlovely. unlovely." And so that you have the ability with my power that exists in you to do exactly the same for other people. (laughs) I know that you're unlovely. I know that you're quirky. I know that you're a bit of an odd duck. But you know what? I love you. Why do I love you? Not because of me and because I'm brilliant and I've got it all figured out. I love you just simply because there's love that's in me, that flows through me, and I'm going to give it to everyone. Not just some people. God is calling us to be those kinds of things because we live in a world that is calculated and we live in a world that is measured. And oftentimes we're going around going, okay, you love me this much? Okay, I can love you through that much. Uh, I feel like you're loving me this much. I'm only going to give you that much too. Right? But this flow of love from God is an absolutely amazing thing because he loved us and so we need to love one another. It is fun sometimes in a relationship where somebody knows that they are incredibly hard to love and they're really prickly and they're no fun to be around and yet God gives you this supernatural love for them and all of a sudden you look at them in the one day and they look at you and they go, why do you love me? And your first answer is, I have no idea. But then you get smarter and you say the truth. I love you because God loves me. And that love flows through me. The directive is to love. But then he goes on and he explains more about the source of love. In verse 12 he says this, No one has ever seen God if we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now, the word perfected is an interesting word. We're going to take a little look at it a little longer. But the idea is that we get to be the physical manifestations of God to people. We get to be Jesus to people. You've heard of that before, haven't you? No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I, I like this idea. Now, I have been married um, quite a few years now, and I, I was calculating something because the first year I married, was, I was dating Nancy, would have been 1985, and tomorrow is an anniversary of Nancy's birth but also one of the coolest dates I ever took Nancy on. I actually had to go to my local loan shark at Moody Bible Institute. His name was Scotty Graybill, and I had to borrow several hundred dollars so I could pull off this absolutely amazing date. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the fact that her birthday was this week, and I wanted to lavish love on her. And you know what? I want to tell you something. I'm better at loving her today than I was 35 years ago. Why? Because love is being perfected in me. I know how to love her better. I know what she really likes and what I really like. Like, I really like to text her. I love to do that. I could text her 40 or 50 times a day, except for this. Nancy doesn't like to get texts. (laughs) When I send her texts, all Nancy can think about is, you know, if you really loved me, you'd get your work done and you'd come home and spend time with me. (laughs) And so a lot of the days when I feel that urge to text her, I work harder instead so I can get home and be with her. Because that's her love language. Her love language isn't spoken word, it's time spent with. And I hope that every one of us as we're growing in our relationship with the Lord and he is oozing his love through us that we realize we're getting better at this than we used to. People seem more annoying than they ever were before but we're better at loving them than we ever were. You know, he goes on and says this, by this we know that we abide in him and him in us. This is how we know that we have fellowship with the Lord, is that all of a sudden we are compelled to love. And when we don't love, even though we can rationalize it for a while, the Holy Spirit goes, not a good idea. You know better. You have the ability to do something different. And so, why do we love? What is the source? It, it goes on in that verse and says, because he has given us his spirit. And so the spirit lives inside of us. And remember, the spirit does several things. He, he makes groanings in our prayers when we don't know what to say. That's usually about people. you know. I don't know what to do. And then the Holy Spirit knows what to say. But then he shoots this message back down to us. And sometimes we're reminded, have you ever been... Completely reminded, saying, "Okay, God loves that person. I need to love that person, and it's because His Spirit, who lives in us, it's not that we're better than anybody else. It's just that His Spirit, it's connecting us. And what is it called when you deny the Spirit, you quench it? That's like unplugging the game c- from the GameCube, from the PS." five or eight or whatever number it is now. He goes on and says this, And we have seen and testified that God has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. This is a sign, people. This is the most important sign in the world is how we love. Go back, John chapter 13, 35, what did he say? This is how people know that you're my disciples, how you love one another. And he's speaking specifically of love in the body, not just love for people outside the body. He goes on and says this, we have come to know and believe that the love of God has for us God is love and whoever abides in him abides in God and God abides in him all of a sudden we realize that we are doing the supernatural thing you are a supernatural spigot of God's love do you understand that and God calls you to instead of quenching and going oh I'm just going to love a little bit that's selfish love that isn't supernatural love God is calling us to a love for one another and a love for people that is absolutely supernatural. But it is the, he is the source of love. And that's why sometimes we got need to get on our knees. I've had to do it before. You have to get on your knees and you've got to say, Dear God, help me love because I want to hate this person. And then we give all the reasons why we feel like we have permission to do that, right? And usually it's a pretty good list. And then we talk to another Christian, and they go, oh yeah, I agree with you. If I was in that situation, I would hate them too. And you're like, oh, you're not helping me. Instead, we should be saying, but the God who lives in you will give you a supernatural ability to love. I'm glad that you have this chance to do something beyond your flesh. Boy, that would annoy us if they said that to us, wouldn't it? But it's right. So number one, we have a directive to love. Number two, we have a source for love. And number three, love can be perfected in us. We should be getting better at this, not because of we're practicing it, but because of who we're connected to. The better connected we are, the better we can love people. He said this, at the end of verse 12, he said, And his love is perfected in us. God's love is is perfected in us. I know that some of you in this room and out in our audience, you are in a hard situation where it's hard to figure out how to love and how to have a complete love or how to have a mature love. But God is calling us to this, and he's giving us some ideas of what it looks like when we have Perfect love. He goes on in verse 17. He said, This by this love is perfected, by this is love is perfected with us, so that we may be confident on the day of judgment, because he, because as he is, so also we are in this world. Let me read that again by this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence. For the day of judgment, because as He is, so also we are in this world. The one thing that, that God's love does in us is it gives us a confidence. Have you ever been in situations where you actually look back and you have no regrets? Because you realized in that situation something supernatural took place and I loved in such a way that I know that I did exactly what God wanted me to do. And there's a confidence that we have. There's other times that the Holy Spirit lets us know that we kind of blew it. And we're reminded of that, right? But God wants love to be perfected in us so that we can have confidence instead of living a life of regret. See, a life of regret does this all the time. I don't know, what should I do? I'm not sure. And there's doubt and there's double-mindedness in it. But God is calling us to confidence. And one of the areas he's calling us to confidence is, is into interpersonal relationships and our ability to love. The second thing he used to describe it, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. There's a concept called... um, uh, I just escaped my mind, but it's this idea when love reverses, Okay. And when love reverses, they're always taking love from you. And when they're taking love from you, there's always some kind of string attached. Have you ever felt that? I'm going to do this for you, but then you need to do this for me. You know? There's some kind of string attached. But perfect love isn't like that. There's no fear in it. There's, there's no sense of man, I have to do something for you because you did something for me, or man I, I, now i 've got to do this thing or i 've got to act this certain way, or you know um, and you see it um, There's a TV show that we enjoy watching, and i've been watching the reruns of it and 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 the mother <laughs> is one of those people that is always taking love instead of giving love. And so every time she does something, her daughter's always like, oh no, And now there's going to be more strings attached and I'm going to have, you know, and, and on and on it goes. But we don't have to do that. We don't have to live that way. We can have our love perfected and love perfected is without fear. Love protected is, is confident love. But where is the beginning of this? We love because He first loved us. You know, if you are caught up in that kind of uh, backwards love and you take that into your Christianity, you're going to be absolutely exhausted because you're going to constantly be trying to figure out how to show God you love Him more. You know? And you're always going to feel beholding to him instead of just excited to say, you know what, I didn't deserve this at all. There's no one in this room that deserved God's love at all. But he loved us first. But then he goes on and he challenges us and he says this, if anyone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen Cannot love God whom he has not seen. You know, if I could explain to you why this is so important, it basically is like this: Have you ever done something for someone, and and you really enjoy doing it for them, and you really sense they don't want it at all? Have you ever had that experience? What what he's talking about here is basically without what we're saying it, we're we're coming to church and we're saying, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, but I hate my neighbor because he's a jerk and I can't believe you created him. It doesn't work, does it? One of these is not like the other. And so an incredible litmus to our love is For God is how we're loving each other. If you're struggling loving each other, that means you have a God problem, not just a people problem. What you're saying to God is, What in the world were you thinking, God, when you created that person? They are a mistake, and they are in my way. And I need you to remove them. Scary, isn't it? We we don't say it like that. We say it in much nicer Christian little words. But that's what God hears. You see, this is the truth. And this is the command that he's given us. Whoever loves God must love his brother. You see, something supernaturally takes place in us. Then, when we humble ourselves and we accept God's love, we become a vessel that He can push that love through. And all of a sudden, it is not where we're supernaturally changed so that we can love other people. That's why this directive isn't wrong. That's why we understand the source isn't us, it's God in us. And that's why it has to be perfected. This is God's great love for us. Think about it. Think about how wonderful it is. That when we didn't deserve to be loved, he loved us. And so because of that, we can love a whole bunch of people that don't deserve it either. Because God's love Not our love. You understand the difference here? Not our love, but God's love can be perfected in us. If you didn't grab a communion cup, I encourage you to go out to the table and get one. And John, why don't you come up and play? Because... Once a month, we're reminded of God's great love for us, right? We're reminded of what he did for us, and how he cares for us. And he says that we're never supposed to take this lightly, right? And a part of that is that we're supposed to examine our hearts. And there's two reasons we examine our hearts, First of all, to make sure that we are connected and in a right relationship with the Lord. But second of all, the reason that we take communion together is to live out the mandate to love each other. So I don't know where you're at in your love relationships with people right now. I don't know who your EGR person is right now. I don't know how God's trying to perfect love in you. In a world that's trying to train you that it's okay not to love everybody. God loved what? Part of the world? For God so loved North America. No. God loved the world. So as we prepare for communion, brothers and sisters, we need to make sure that we have a heart full of love. and that we are a vessel of God's love. And some of you come from such a brokenness that without even realizing it, you're more interested in getting love than being a loving person. And you need for God to break through that. And in His abiding relationship with you, you need to help Him reverse the flow of love that you have in your life. You need to say... Uh, uh, I'm backwards God you created me to give love but I just want it but today we celebrate that he loved us first and so we can love brothers and sisters prepare your hearts and when your hearts are ready look up at me so we can partake of communion together The restriction for believers is that we're supposed to have an examined heart to take communion. But there's one other restriction. You have to be a believer. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, if you've never realized the full extent of God's love for you, John 3.17 says that God didn't come in the world to condemn us, but to save us. And I want you to understand the condemnation that you feel right now is to draw you to the perfect love, not push you away from it. Because He loved you when you were unlovely, and your sin is incompatible with Him, and you need a Savior, and that's what Jesus was the example of today, right? Perfect love is Jesus as an example. And so if you don't have that relationship, I encourage you, even in this moment to ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. The Word of God said that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Think about that just for a minute. Body broken for you. Loving was a very physical act from God, wasn't it? This is his body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of him. He talked about the cup and he said, "This, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The old covenant took blood and it covered over sin." Time and time again but when Jesus Christ died on the cross he didn't cover over sin he washed sin away and it is gone this is the blood of Jesus Christ who washes away your sin do this in remembrance of him The reason we tipped the service upside down today is because some of you need a moment today. You need a moment to reflect on God's love, and you need a moment to reconnect with God's love. And so we're going to end by singing, and I want you to know something. Something this altar is open, or this chair over here is open, and if you need to physically move this morning so that you can have a conversation with the Lord, we understand that. I'm going to stand up here in the middle like I, I have for eight years, and if you need someone to pray with, I'll be right there, and I'll pray for you. But you need to know that COVID has not shut the altar of this church. And if God is calling you to a sacred moment with him, you come take that sacred moment with your God. Because God wants to do a great work. And sometimes he just calls us to the humility of saying, I got to come up here and have a conversation with you because I could try to have it and then share, but I know I'm supposed to have it up here. so as we sing these songs that remind us of our freedom and our great need of our god if god is calling you to the altar today i encourage you to come let's sing together